the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Looking for strategies to help you protect your portfolio in these uncertain times? Visit RobBlack.com. RobBlack.com. Powered by EP Wealth. You want to learn about investing? You want to learn about retirement? You want to learn about creating wealth? This is your show. We're going to do all of that today. We're going to talk about Apple's next big thing. They actually have three next big things. Ooh, I want to just go ahead and say it. They're focusing on the advertised market. Yes. That is a $4 billion business that they're going to grow to $30 billion. They're releasing the augmented virtual reality headset today, which is not expected to be a big business for five years. That's when it's expected to pull in $10 billion plus dollars. And they're continuing to expand Apple Pay services, and that's a multi $10 billion plus business. Um, the beautiful thing about them is they're worth so much money, and they're able to slowly develop Apple Pay and slowly develop advertising. The watch was a slow burn, and now you can't see a celebrity on TV without one, right? Anyway, we'll get to that a little bit later in the show. I want to start like I typically do on Mondays by talking about year to date postcards, report cards, yell it out, whatever you want to do. NASDAQ's a winner, winner, chicken dinner. I own shares of Apple individually, but also shares of Apple in my NASDAQ ETFs. So I have too much Apple. NASDAQ year to date up 27 and a half percent. S&P 500 is up 12%. That's a nice year. I would lock in 12%. I would rather grow 12% than 27%. Um, I know you're saying you're stupid. <laughs> Maybe I am. Maybe I am, to be fair. Dow Jones Industrial Average up almost 2% for the year. Not doing great, but it had a great year last year. And the NASDAQ had a horrible year last year. Now, the Dow had a great year in a down market, it held up relatively well, is what I'm trying to say. It wasn't a 10% winner, winner, chicken dinner. Debt ceiling crisis averted last week. Sweet. What else happened last week? Strong jobs numbers? Yep. The AI hype cycle at fever pitch. Uh, the NASDAQ clinched its sixth straight winning week last week. Uh, that's that's the first thing that I've said today that I don't like seeing out loud. Can't grow to the moon. Okay, you with me? Uh, that's the longest winning streak for the NASDAQ since 2020, but some investors think the rally could crack like a hard shell taco. What is up with hard shell tacos? And uh, buying them at the store, they're always stale and gross. Just, just my opinion, just my opinion, just my opinion. Uh, bearish bets on the stock market from hedge funds and other speculators are at the highest level since 2007, which is a good thing, believe it or not. People who think the markets are going to go down, they've sold high. That means they have to buy at some point in time. That gives the market a bottom. A floor sometimes is a right way of saying that. 
I like where we are. Saudi Arabia over the weekend did a very Saudi Arabian thing. They said they're going to cut oil production even more so to boost oil prices that have been sagging hard under the gloomier world outlook. Awesome. They got to pay Ronaldo, Benzema, and Messi somehow, right? Oh, Messi. Don't go to Saudi Arabia. Don't, don't be that man. As far as soccer goes, better soccer in Europe than there is in Saudi Arabia. Okay. Okay. Let's hit on some other things that we have to hit on. Um, typically, we start the first segment pretty intelligibly. Um, let's hit some of the headlines. There was a sonic boom close to Washington White House in D.C. yesterday. Um, some F-16 fighter jets traveled at supersonic speeds to intercept a Cessna aircraft. That was not responsive. The private plane crashed in Virginia about 20 minutes after that was heard. Um, people don't know why the pilot was unresponsive or how many people were on board yet. Uh, I, I, I like stories like this only because it tells you things are that close to being messed up in the world. And as an investor, you have to go into it knowing that things do get messed up in the world. And ultimately, capitalism beats messed up terrorism, messed up things, messed up world events. There can be a big oil spill this year in the Gulf of Mexico, and we'll see hundreds and thousands of dolphins die. And we'll, we'll, we'll get over it. 9-11, we got over. World War II, we got over. World War I, we got over. Vietnam, Korea, oil at $150 a barrel, oil at zero. We got over COVID. We got over, like, we, we do tend to rise to the occasion. Knowing that this planet one day is going to go dark and Curl into the sun. It's a little depressing to think about. That's the one thing we won't get over. 275 people died and hundreds more injured in India after signal error is blamed for the disaster. Again, 22 million people ride trains a day in India. Um, this is tragic. It's very sad. And the world will get over it. It stinks, right? Because if you're the person who lost a husband or a wife or a spouse or a kid, that would just, you don't ever get over it. Okay, what else do we have to hit? The writer strike is continuing on. The Directors Guild of America, the union representing film and TV directors, said it inked a historic three year contract with producers that addresses some of their biggest concerns. That's not good for the writers. The writers need the actors. And the directors to go on strike. Uh, otherwise, all those projects that they've saved up will get developed. And here's what the writer strike is really good for. And I hate saying this. You just learn to think this way when you're in, you're in money, when you're in finance, when you're in things like this. Um, if they slow down production of Stranger Things, if they slow down production of what's the next uh, Last of Us? HBO's got content. Netflix has got content. People aren't going to abandon that quickly. People are going to go back to old shows that we want to rewatch or something. I don't know. Maybe we'll go for walks. So the Guild and its negotiating leaders frame the contract as a big win for directors. It gives them unprecedented gains. The union members will show whether they concur when they vote on the proposed contract tomorrow. So that one's not a done deal. It looked like it was a done deal. I could be wrong on that one, but it, it it looks like they got what they want. Some more residuals, some uh, gun safety issues, and um, AI. 
not replace directors anytime soon. Let's keep moving on, shall we? Uh, WWC event today. Apple's going to make it splashy entrance into the metaverse. That's interesting to note. Former Vice President Mike Pence and former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie, both Republicans, are expected to launch their campaigns this week. The NBA and the NHL are in their final throws of the season, which is fairly exciting. The $3,000 price tag for the new Apple device, it's about six times the cost of Meta's recently announced $500 Quest 3. It's roughly three times the price of Sony's PlayStation VR 2, which you need to have a PlayStation 5 to use. Apple's expected to sell only 50,000 of them in year one. The standout specs could include a live point of view sharing a feature called Copresence. 4K displays and screens on front of lenses that digitally display users' eyes, which are not creepy at all. <laughs> okay, it's creepy. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube at Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. Brought to you by EP Wealth. This is the Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Palo Alto Networks will be added to the S&P 500 prior to the open on June 20th, which basically means a lot of money is going to be buying Palo Alto Network shares. If you own an S&P 500 fund, you're going to be owning Palo Alto Networks. I like the name. I think it's a great long-term name. I've never owned the name personally. I know people that do. I'm fine with that company. Nice to see uh, a big tech security play going into the S&P 500 because let's just put it this way. I think one of the funnier things that ever happened to me, probably back in 1998 when I was on CNET radio, I made the mistake of saying CNET radio was a tech radio station in the Bay Area. It was kind of a thing that didn't work because they were too classy. They only wanted tech company sponsors. And sometimes in radio and television, you got to go for the sponsors that pay the bills, if you know what I'm saying. Anyway, um, yeah, back in 96, 97, 98, right around that time frame, I said, who are these people that get computer viruses? And Rob gets an email that says, we had a Kornikova hot pitcher. I was like, oh, I want to see that. Uh, That was young Rob Black. Old Rob Black would be like, uh, is that a free research report on Apple? I want to see that. Gobble, 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 and I get a virus in both cases, right? So that's out there. Okay, Palo Alto Networks, Dish Networks is going out. That kind of makes sense, right? I know some people who still have Dish, but very, very few. Circor is acquiring, or is going to be acquired by, excuse me, by KKR for $1.6 billion. Lawyers are trying to get a settlement worked out in 3M, the Forever Chemicals trial. Wall Street Journal, and that's according to the Wall Street Journal, said that on 3M. I don't even know much about that that trial at this point. I don't own shares of 3M. I've always liked the company. They used to have a mandate, and I don't know if they still do, but they used to have a, a situation where you were allowed to work on projects of your own for like three hours a week. And that's how someone invented post notes. Post-its. He was going to church and took his Bible and he had all the the pages dog-eared that he had to turn to. And he thought there would be an easier way of doing it. And sure enough, he came up with post-it notes. That could be a myth, but I think it's true. 
All states going to stop offering home insurance policies in California due to climate conditions and building costs. That's pretty neat, uh, unique. State Farm said the same thing. If you have a policy, you're okay. But two big insurance companies are bailing on California. Oh, and I get it. My father-in-law's house burned down in Santa Rosa a few years back. And um, it was State Farm. Did them right. They did them really right. To the point that, like, even a year, like, two or three years after the claim was settled, they were still like, oh, we found another $100,000 to give you for uh, relocation expenses and things like that. But he lost everything. Everything. All the family photos, gone. So what do we have this week, or what do you have to think about? The Wall Street Journal reports that large banks could face a 20% increase in capital requirements. The port of Long Beach reportedly won't be operating today due to labor issues. That's not good. We want that one to, to stop quietly. Oh, here's some really good news for... And I'm not taking a shot at anti-vaxxers. I'm just telling you, I believe in science. So I guess I'm taking a shot at anti-vaxxers by saying I believe in science, but I'm not trying to. But Moderna's cancer vaccine used in combination with Merck's Keytruda reduced the risk of melanoma spreading to other parts of the body or death by 65%. The FDA has given the melanoma, uh, the Moderna and Merck breakthrough therapy designation. Uh, That's a pretty good designation to have. A breakthrough therapy designation. So it's going to be, you're going to be able to get it, not today at hospitals, but soon. And Moderna is the the company that came up. They're pioneering a a new novel way of attacking diseases. Um, And I think, I believe in science, is what I'll say. Do I think they're a little overhyped? Yes. Do I think it's weird that there's commercials for their product? Yes. I've never really liked, and I didn't realize this till I became, you know, middle-aged. I never really liked turning on television and seeing drug companies pushing product. You should talk to your doctor. How about the doctor knows what the freaking frack to give me instead of me talking to the doctor? Okay, I'm not going to talk about Apple for at least one segment. I wonder if the new... AR VR reality one headset will have noise canceling iPhones. No, no, it's not, it's not gonna work that way, is it? No. Um, let's see. The SP 500, which was flirting with 4,100 about a week and a half ago, is now testing 4,300. In turn, CNBC is teasing the point that a close above 4,292 would signify the end of the bear market. That's a little over 10 points from where we closed on Friday. Let's see if we're going to get there today. Um, Wow. I just looked at my stocks for Friday. Friday was a good day. Does not look like we're going to get there today. Stock market opened bigly. um, And it's pulled back now about down a point on the S&P 500. The Dow opened up flat. It's now down 100 points. The Nasdaq still up 12 points sitting at. 13252. Apple has hit a record high ahead of the key headset launch. S&P 500 is a market-weighted index. We've heard a lot about this this year. What that means is Apple, Microsoft, Google, Alphabet, well, I already said Google, Microsoft, Apple, Alphabet, 
uh, Facebook, Metaverse. Um, as they've all had great years, it's really like seven stocks are pulling the S&P 500 higher. But Friday, we saw a big day. I saw a big jump in my 401k because my 401k is more diversified than my, my personal accounts. And my 401k's got the Russell 2000 and my 401k's got uh, um, some international stocks. Friday was a good day. So my 401k went up like 3% in one. And it, it, that tells you why. Low. By the way, I'm trying to imply that small cap companies, Russell 2000 and world stocks, international stocks haven't had a great couple of years. Um, and the SP 500, it, it didn't have a great year last year because Apple was la- down last year and Facebook was down last year. Uh, that combination, that one, two punch really, really hurt the performances and take a look at the turnaround. It is starting to bring up the question. I'm going to speak to Adam Phillips from EP wealth strategy division today. Um, he's the head of, he's the director of portfolio strategy. I'm going to ask him about should clients consider non-weighted diversified funds so that if you own the S&P 500, you're up this year because Apple. If Apple goes down next year, we don't want you to go down. So we're going to talk a little strategy on weighted versus non-weighted. I'll put that on the web today at 4 p.m. Call is taking place at 9, uh, 10 a.m. You see my turnaround there. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. Don't want to work forever? Check out the Retirement Planning Guide on robblack.com. That's robblack.com, powered by EP Wealth. You remember how I mentioned very briefly about the debt ceiling last week? And also at the same time, I mentioned very briefly that the Wall Street Journal is reporting that large banks could face a 20% increase in capital requirements. Those stories are tied together. And ultimately, that could hurt lending. And that could hurt big banks. And we want big banks to lend. And we want big bank stocks to do well. If there's one thing that I'm not passionate about, but I'm aggressive about, is you need a healthy banking system. When I look at China and I look at India, India's got a better banking system. If I had to invest in one or the other, I'm investing in India. And again, how do we? United States has a fine banking system. Europe, not so much. Europe's got a lot of legacy banks. But they're not bad. You know, clearly, I would say uh, going around the world, you know, India is an up and comer. And if you want it to invest in India, I have no problem with you putting somewhere between three to five percent of your money in India for the long term. Um, I had a girlfriend 20 years ago, 25 years ago, who traveled to India. She got laid off a tech job and she's like, I'm seeing you later, Rob. I'm going to India for 100 days or something like that. It was a pretty cool little self uh, vacation, a little um, getaway, if you will. But she'd send me photos every day. And she was maybe five foot six, five foot five. And she was a, a goddess in India. Like, um, she was revered. <laughs> like, it was pretty weird. But she went to some really, really cool locations, and it made me want to travel to India. She went to some fort, fortress cities that are exactly what they sound like. They're built into the side of mountains, and uh, what a beautiful country. And one thing that, that she left on me and I left on her when, when she got back was we talked about how if you go to Australia, it's kind of like the United States 30 years ago. 
And she's like, India is kind of like the United States 40 years ago. It's, it's silly to say, um, but capitalism will move in. So um, there will be more prosperity. And I think they've got a better system than China, in my opinion, because India is more capitalism based while China is more communism based. And the shot I'm taking at communist is you never know when you're when you should take a financial chance and start a business because you don't know if the country is going to be proud of it and take it from you and share it with the whole country. Or if you're going to be incentivized for your hard work. So the Federal Reserve has signaled that it will forego an interest rate increase at its policy meeting later this month. That ironically may reflect the financial impact of the debt ceiling deal more than the latest economic indicators. Friday's employment report was robust. It's a fun word to say, isn't it? It's like, that's a robust cup of coffee, and you all know what I'm talking about. The effect of the end of the federal debt ceiling impasse could be equivalent to another 25 basis points um, hike. The monetary authorities are likely to disable notions. Is it disable or disabuse? That no further hikes are coming as long as unemployment remains historically low. For investors, it's bad excess liquidity injected in the financial system, the result of Treasury running down its cash before since early this year, when it first hit the former debt ceiling, has helped provide fuel for the rally in tech stocks by investors getting giddy about potential gains in artificial intelligence. So with Congress's approval for the deal, that means they're going to spend money. And they're going to spend a lot of it with a whoosh. There will be a liquidity flow back into the economy. That's good for income investors, not so good for people who are chasing stocks on stories. So it's worthy of note, the Federal Reserve is eyeballing the U.S. government and saying that debt deal, they got it done, which means there's going to be more cash coming. It's worthy of note. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about money, investing, and more. Um One of the things that I'm starting to think about now that I'm 50 plus and I've lived more than half my life is where am I going to live the back half of my life? It's a good question. California is not a bad state to live in if you don't mind paying the taxes. I have enough wealth that I'm going to be able to give a lot of my wealth away in my lifetime starting now. I've already started like uh, moving assets out of my control and into other people's control. 80% of Americans age 60 and over are homeowners. Housing wealth counts for nearly half of their median net worth. That could mean that many homeowners nearing retirement are in fact sitting on a significant amount of money or potential retirement income. When I got my mother's inheritance last year, and it took almost two years to get after she died of COVID, um, I basically created an income fund for my family to go to things like Men's World Cup soccer, to do big events together as a family. 
or when I'm passed, that they will continue to get them together as family. What are you going to do in retirement? And right now, if you were to sell your house, what would you do with that money? If you're 60 plus years old, you own a home like 80% of Americans, and Social Security is not getting it done, consider downsizing. That's an absolute positive thought. And a lot of people are going to relocate from Massachusetts, New York, California to other states. Moving out of a major coastal state likely offers the greatest opportunity for wealth extraction from your home. When you relocate from a median home that costs $1.2 million or $2 million or $800,000 and you go to a, a state like Oklahoma or the Dakotas or West Virginia or Mississippi, you get a lot of bang for your buck. A 65-year-old resident of Santa Clara, California, the average home price is $1.21 million. Moving to Merced, California, the average home is $380,000. That would leave them with an extra $800,000. $800,000 could pull in $30,000 in income. You put that on top of the $20,000 in income from Social Security. And you probably have, after you pay your health care expenses, you probably have what? Uh, $2,000 a month for a house that's paid for. All you got to do is feed yourself and a couple other things. It's not too bad. I'd consider downsizing. But where would I go? I'm going to have to find an air. And is Merced good enough for me? I like a little bit of culture, a little bit of access to airports. I'm a little bummed. Uh, Contacted my high school college friend over the weekend and his kids are older than my kids. And he's like, yeah, my kids are gone. Like, I don't even see them anymore. They're like, uh, John's dad. See ya. Like when they turn 21, like they don't even come home for holidays. That's a little discouraging. Cause I took care of them. That's my idea. So would you downsize? I think that's a really, really good question. Sometimes around 50, 55, 60, you really need to think about that. Um, I have a house with stairs and I have a house with a pool. And when my kids are gone and they don't come home, I, I don't need the pool. I guess it'd be nice to get a little summer swimming in, keeping the heart going. Um, but it was really more of a kid's thing than an adult thing, right? And I don't like kidney shaped kidney bean pools. We don't have a kidney bean pool. We have a rectangle pool. Um, but yeah, I will downsize. There's no doubt about it because the stairs will kill me or I'll never, I'll either live downstairs or live upstairs. I got size 14 feet, kind of a large man. Um, My feet don't fit on stairs. So I know that I want to go somewhere else. And we have an uncle in the family who he's got back problems and it takes him 35, 45 minutes to go up and down a flight of stairs, but he's too pride, too proudful, too proud, too proud to move next door and get a ranch. So he's fallen a couple times where the fire department has to call, be called and, and come help him get back up because the wife, she's 80 years old and she can't lift him. That sucks. I don't want to do that to anyone. Maybe I'll hire a like an Arnold Schwarzenegger type person to pick me up and just hang out and talk to me all day. No, I don't want to be that person. I have found something I'm really, really passionate about and talking about retirement for me. I like talking it out loud with you. Um, I like to teach and I like to teach groups of kids. 
um, people that need it the most. I think I told you that I got interviewed by a high school senior last week for her podcast for her, her senior project. And she's going to Berkeley and I just, I couldn't be more proud of her. And I, I hope my kids are, they're, they're younger than her. Um, if they can grow up to be her, I'd be like stoked. Not a female. I'm not talking about transgender or anything like that. Just a high school kid who's got the future ahead of them with a very optimistic, brilliant mind. That makes me happy. Anyhow, and anyway, let's take a look at the markets, shall we? Um, okay, the SP 500 is now up for the day. It's been up, it's been down, it's back up. The NASDAQ's up 37 points. Today is the day when Apple's going to announce their mixed reality headset. It could move the stock market up or down. That stinks. Right now, it's moving it up. Apple's up three for the day after starting up two for the day at an all-time high 184 share. My own shares of that company. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Hey, share your ideas with me. Drop me an email, rob at robblackshow.com. Questions about Social Security? Check out the Social Security Retirement Guide at robblack.com. That's robblack.com, powered by EP Wealth. Sonny's having a good year. Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse opened to $120 million at the domestic box office this weekend. Number two opening for the year behind Universal's Super Mario Brothers movie. Sony's Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, hotly anticipated, or yeah, hotly anticipated, much anticipated. Um, After the Academy Award-winning Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse had the second biggest opening of 2023, just behind Universal's Super Mario Brothers, it's pretty nice to see. The Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse was one of those pleasant surprises. Um, A great soundtrack. Uh, Spider-Man who wasn't Caucasian, which was very incredibly refreshing in my opinion um and i i'm not big in this uh superhero movies but it was one that i enjoyed so when you meet peter porker which is an alternate alternate universe spider-man peter porker and it's a, literally a pig you go that was creative i don't know comic books well i don't know if peter porker is a real thing or not so just throwing that out there for you. Sony's animated Spider-Man sequel arrives on the heels of several strong box office openings, including Disney's uh, Marvel's uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Disney's Little Mermaid. Everything's dropping nice. Everything's doing real well. Uh, Little Mermaid's pulled in $186 million in domestic sales. Stands at $326 million globally. Uh, Disney's Bo- The Boogeyman opened to $12 million. In domestic ticket sales and Universal's Fast X added 9.2 million. Uh, did not really know those movies were out there quite yet. But The Boogeyman, that's considered a, a big winner in large part because it's really, really cheap to make horror films. I've done this story before, so if you're a longtime listener, ignore me. I grew up loving horror films. To this day, I still kind of do. When I was a 12-year-old kid, I watched Friday the 13th, and I was like, wow. Um, my brother David, me and my friend Mark were watching it. So we were probably sixth grade and uh, seventh grade, and we were acting all big and tough, and we are watching it on Showtime. Um, and, you know, the, no, 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 no. Jason's, or someone's running around with machete killing young teenagers, and 
uh, don't make the mistake of making love because you're going to die in movies like that. And someone made love and well, they died. And my brother David plasters himself on the back uh, patio window at just the perfect moment. And my friend Mark just panicked. <laughs> he just panicked, pulled his head back so fast. He hit the wall and fell out of the ground <laughs> screaming. I like horror films. And here's the beauty about horror films. I'll still watch them today. Like when the boogeyman makes its way into the streaming world, I'll probably watch it because clowns in the bed works for me. It's an escape. It's an hour and a half of goofiness. It's not going to get me a better stock market, but here's the stock market lesson I learned from it. They're very, very profitable. So I got to make coffee for the guy who made, uh, why am I dropping the ball on this one? Pinhead. Um, and that was considered the most successful film of all time for a period of time. Hellraiser, because it had such a small budget and had such a big return in the movie theater. And that's an investment lesson. I know you're saying you're stretching it. No, I'm not stretching it. You really got to study all the stuff, all the working parts, and you see the cost of labor. Disney and Netflix are catching a break right now, and not really so much Netflix because they have international studios that don't have the uh, writers' director, uh, the writers' guild of you know, of Hollywood. So that cost of labor of shooting stuff is expensive, and that's why the Boogeyman is considered a, a hit this weekend even though it didn't pull in $180 million, uh, it, it more than covered its budget. And nice thing about, oh, here, here's the thing about, um, I was trying to say, make a point on horror films. Uh, Kevin Bacon was in the first Friday the 13th, and he's the guy who got the arrow through his neck, which was an incredibly cheap special effect. Uh, but it worked. It worked uh, shockingly. Now look at Kevin Bacon, you know, years and years and years and years and years and years later, he gets taken by Bernie Madoff. But back in the 1970s, when he made that film, he he needed a job and the production crew basically ran out of money. And some of the actors were told we have to finish in like one day because we don't have money to last two more weeks like shooting was supposed to last. It's a pretty interesting business model, in my opinion. Anyhow, tomorrow we're going to talk a lot about what Apple unveils today. Let's keep an eye on it. That'll probably happen around 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock Pacific time. Spotify is announcing today that they're cutting 200 employees or about 2% of its workforce, part of a pivot in its podcast strategy. And um, that's not a surprise. They way overpaid uh, Joe Rogan. Moderna's cancer, Moderna's cancer. And for the record, I like Spotify because it, it falls into my, do they dominate a market that has two players in it? Apple Music and Spotify. They dominate. And do they get a regular recurring subscription? Yes. And do they have over a hundred million users? Yes. And at that point, you have me. And that, that, then you just don't have to mess it up. And you'll ultimately be okay. One quick thing that I want to throw down about Apple's Reality One AR VR goggles that are going to be showing today. Um, there is a history of augmented reality not being what it's supposed to be. One. In 2015, if you listen to the show, I talked about HoloLens by Microsoft. 
They had a version of Minecraft in VR and AR. They talked up the device's massive potential. It didn't really come to fruition, did it? That was eight years ago. Um, so if it was going to develop, it would have developed by now. Of course, the MetaQuest Pro has seen its price introduced last year at $1,500, and they've already slashed it to 999 not living up to its potential. Meta Platforms is routing billions of dollars into investments in its metaverse project uh, called Reality Labs. Nintendo, Google, Google had Glass. That was a bust. Nintendo had Virtual Boy. Uh, They don't always work out. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Sign up up for Pints and Portfolio in San Carlos later this month. Join Rob Black in San Carlos Sunday, June 25th for Pints and Portfolios, a less formal event at a local watering hole for those close to retirement with $500,000 or more in investable assets. Drop by Sunday afternoon from 1 to 4 for a little sunshine, some financial chit-chat, and a complimentary portfolio review or financial snapshot from Ryan Ignatius. CFP from EP Wealth Advisors. Whether you're on the road to retirement or already there, this financial snapshot can provide you with a second opinion analysis of where you are and highlight areas for improvement and opportunities for growth. Go to robblackshow.com and click the events tab. Find Pints and Portfolios and click to register. You'll answer a few simple questions about your situation and your confirmation email will provide all the details on the event and how to schedule your portfolio review. Space is limited and registration is required, so go to robblackshow.com today. That's robblackshow.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.